And together, we're the experts. We're we are friends. The experts. We're confidants. What? what? Did, you, did you say we're pen and teller? <laughs> no, I didn't. I said we were friends, but we are pen and teller. Oh, I thought you were like, we're pen, and you wanted to be like me to be like, and teller. <laughs> no, but that's a great idea. That's a great new way to start the pod. I don't think so. <laughs> Just to say that we are pen and teller. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, as you know, I used to live in Las Vegas. Mm. And Penn, Penn and Teller live in Vegas. They do. I saw them in oh, Vegas. You did? Were they? Did they put on a good show? They did. I've seen them twice. I saw them uh, in Vegas and I saw them uh, in LA. So I guess you could say I'm a pretty big Penn and Teller head. You're a I guess so. But I mean, it was like 20 years apart. Wow. To be yeah. a fly on the wall of both of those shows or a person in the audience like you. <laughs> I think it was the exact same show. I used to love them when like I was a teenager and they were on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, <laughs> did you like them when they were going through their like atheist, um, like truth telling phase or whatever? Which I think they've always been in and still are in, actually. I think so, but I feel like it did reach a fever pitch and I they weren't on my radar so much then because while I was living in Vegas, there were always rumors that one of them had a sex dungeon. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. I think they're both supposed to be like libertarian perverts, kind of. Yes, I think and one I, more than the other. And I know that um, Teller or Penn um is like in an open marriage and is like extremely disgusting about it i yeah i think that is pen i do know that there, there was like some there was something that was going on in vegas where people were on the news um like protesting and teller was like on the news like shouting about it and it was like the only time i'd ever heard him speak oh and really he talked like, power to the people yeah because i mean he was just like yelling about like some like local politic thing. Oh, that's cool. How detailed I am. Honestly, I remember more about Penn's uh, alleged sex dungeon. It's very important. I actually read his memoir because he, I, is he, God bless him. He did a mono meal diet where he's now high carb, low fat. And I'm very interested in diets. And he, it, he won, he ate nothing but potatoes for like six months and lost a ton of weight. He did a reverse Atkins. Yeah. Which is like the other one. And now he's like almost completely vegan. Wow. Um, 
and he said like some really gross things about how much he wanted to fuck like Garfunkel and Oates. Uh, you know, in the book and how he and his wife have this understanding it's all in there uh wow well you know make make that disappear from my brain i wish i could but instead i made it be in your brain that's my type of magic <laughs> magic <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> we do that to each other we put we put we put some bad ideas in each other's heads. we put some creepies in each other's heads and sometimes we really don't even know what we're talking about it's true that's why we're the experts that is why we're the experts I, today i i genuinely don't know what i'm talking i mean like i barely know what i'm talking about today no it's true. Is sorry so but it's just the way it fucking that's just like the way the cookie crumbles today yeah that's how it goes sometimes sometimes you're called on to be an expert but mm, maybe you're not qualified that's okay you're, you're an expert of something all the time i'm always an expert of one thing but is that thing oranges no. so our topic was orange yeah uh that we got from our random word generator yeah um did you uh my mother loves like weird archaic traditions mm. like when we were girls and she cut all of our hair off she um <laughs> which <laughs> does sound very victorian but she like took um i i had like a really long braid like down in my waist and she cut it off like at my um like to chin length and she kept my braid for years and then she would like try to crochet with our hair oh, like yep. she Yes, but she, so she like loves that kind of stuff. But like for Christmas, I remember there were a couple years where she was really trying to make this like orange in the stocking thing happen. Oh, that's like in Little Women. Yeah. In Little Women, they get oranges and then they give it to the, they give them to the poor family that with diseases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People. Um, <laughs> They paid for that mistake. One of them did. Well, I guess they all do. They all do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that was that was like a real thing. Like it was hard to get oranges, and you know they yeah. protect you. Crazy, so it's a good gift. Yeah, it's a great gift, and it's like a great. Um, yeah, it's like a great Christmas treat. That's right. A little citrus in the. Um, in the winter time, I um, I read about um, like sweet oranges, like how sweet oranges come about. That it's a mix of like mandarins and pomelos. Did you see that? No. <laughs> and the, the first um, orange, like sweet orange, was recorded in China in like 300 BC. So did you, so for this, did you decide like, I'm going to just like learn about the history of oranges? I, yes, I wanted to, cause I wasn't sure at first I was like, Ooh, I want to talk about the orangery like in Paris. And then I was like, well, I talked about something like French, like two times ago. Like I can't be here just like Francophiling out every time. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody would like 
get mad about it. Yeah, nobody's mad about it. But it's not like, you know, the experts en français. (laughs) I can like branch out a little bit. But then I was also like, well, what is an orangery? And like, why, like, why is that a thing that you see? Uh, So that kind of like took me down a path. Um, And then I, uh, I guess I'll talk about it later my um <laughs> the the journey that i the circuitous journey that i want to take us on okay yeah i can't wait to hear yours because i was like kind of at a loss about this one i was like um i mean i just like went back and forth about so many different things but i was like i don't know there was like some horrific serial killer that did something called the orange grove murders which i was like should i do that and then I was like, I found some like an episode of a show called Swamp Murders that was called like Body in the Orange Grove, <laughs> like all this shit. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about like the worst thing that ever happened near an orange. Like, I don't like that being my, like where my brain goes. But what I ended up picking was still like pretty bad. But what, what did you pick? Well, I picked, um, I mean, I guess I'm going first and I guess I can just start, but I picked America's nuttiest billionaire couple, (laughs) Stuart and Linda Resnick, (laughs) (laughs) but they're not nutty for, well, they're nutty, but they're, they're mostly nutty because they sell nuts, pistachio nuts and almonds. Oh my gosh. So that's like an advertisement, like America's nuttiest couple. But they're also a little bit nutty because I don't think any like billionaires can not be a little bit nutty. I think that's true. And not be slightly evil. So um, I read this really, so like, let me just tell you how I got to this because um, I felt like I, I felt like compelled to do this story because Earlier this year, Brian gave me a gift, which was a book, um, America, you know, those are America's best books that are like, um, like collections of like short pieces of writing. There's like America's best short stories or like America's best, whatever. Like I I like tales or something. Yeah. I'm actually looking at one that someone gave me, um, America's best non-required reading. That's, um, that's uh edited edited by dave eggers they're always like edited by someone fun um that one is from 2007 but anyway perfect dave eggers to be editing a collection of shorts they're always they're always like edited by the person like who should be editing it that year and like never again (laughs) but actually this one was edited by samin nostrat because it was the 2009 one and it was about it's the america's best food writing because i love food writing I started doing a little food writing this year. You did? Yeah, I wrote a piece about chicken fat for a Jewish food blog. Oh my God, that's awesome. I want to read it. Oh yeah, it's, well, it's out there. I'll send it to you. Um, And yeah, so he gave me this book and the first story was this like really long piece about this couple um that's called a kingdom from dust oh spooky ominous it's a very ominous and spooky uh 
article and it's by this guy named Mark Eriks and it was published in the California Sunday magazine. So like that and this other Forbes piece that I think that was written by someone else were like my big like sources for this story about um, who these people are. And I'm going to keep it short because unfortunately this is like a really big story that I just like don't have the knowledge of like agriculture and like California laws and farming culture to like truly become an expert on this, <laughs> the amount that I would like to be. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about them and like a little bit about what's going on. So great. Be my Michael Pollan. I am going to be like, yeah, I will be your Michael Pollan. <laughs> Put your orange questions in mine. <laughs> Put your tiny hand in mine. I don't know why I said that. I'm just trying to put off having to tell the story that I don't really know that well. Okay. So the San Joaquin Valley is um, a valley in California. Also, I was like just there. Like I was just here like two days ago. We went um, to like Kernsville and like hung out for a couple of days because there's like a river and it's like this like nice place. It's like near the Sequoias and you can just like go and have like a nice little like natural break from being in a big city. So we were literally just here in a very socially distanced way. Um, and the town of Kern is situated like in the far south of the valley. And basically the entire like every single square foot of this one particular section is owned by this cu this couple the resnicks um it's like a farm the entire san joaquin valley is farming like the beginning of this piece is about how like every single like drop of water has been sucked out of the land like the rivers are the riverbeds are completely dry and there is water coming into the river, but you can't see it because it's all being siphoned off by these like underground tubes that are just like pulling them into different farms for different projects. Like it's the, a classic I drink your milkshake. It, the whole thing is I drink your milkshake. All of California is us drinking the milkshake. So <laughs> the I mean, seriously, like the, so they're sucking all the water off from all of the rivers. They've completely dried the, there's like a huge lake there that's just like completely dry underneath the earth. There is like a huge underground sea that is just filled with water and they like drill into the ground and like mine for water to like get, like an it's an aquifer. Yeah. And they like drill into the ground to like get more water. Um, but that has its own like series of problems because when they do that, it makes the land sink. So they can, the farmers basically have the option of spending a shit ton of money to buy into these like aqueducts and like water passage passageways or whatever, or they can steal it, which they do. So if you go 
so that's the entire valley and they grow everything. He said that basically everything that's in your dairy or produce cart in the market is like grown in this valley in California or can be except for like truck, except for like mangoes and bananas. He said everything else is, that's where it's from. So he, so this, right now I'm talking mostly about this like California dust kingdom of from dust article. So the Resnicks are different because they are not, they don't live in the San Joaquin Valley. They live in Beverly Hills and they have never farmed. They have never held a shovel. They have never done any of it. They're business people. Like they always have been. Um, they're, they're like in their eighties now, but, um, the Stuart Resnick went to UCLA and when he was there, he started like, he wasn't like, he wasn't born into money or anything like that, but he went to business school and he has this like very old fashioned story where he started a janitorial company and like that blossomed into this, like while he was in college and that blossomed into this thing that he was like actually making money from. And he met and started dating Linda who I think actually did come from money. She was like a Hollywood, like her parents were like producers or something. Like she had some money when she was starting out, but her thing was marketing. Like she is a marketing whiz. And when she, when they came together, it was like a match made in heaven. Like they immediately started doing business together the way like a couple might immediately start like, it's like the couple from like, um, <laughs> from, um, like in the Shasha Shallows, <laughs> like it's like that couple, but instead of like being musicians together, a star is born. They're like these business people. So they buy Teleflora, which is this like way to like buy flat, like this company that's like for sending people flowers and they become millionaires like immediately. They've always got, there's always a 20% off coupon. They're like, they're like bed, the bath and body works or bed, bath and beyond of like florists. Right. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like a one 800 flower situation and they own like different weird companies. Like they own the Franklin mint, which makes like little like tchotchke knickknack things with like princess Diana on it and stuff. Like, they're like in this whole thing. And then like in the seventies, they're like, okay, we are going to start buying up land in the San Joaquin Valley. And we're going to start like getting into planting stuff. Um, so, okay. This is getting into the part that I like really don't know anything about, but basically in there's this thing called the California state water project where they oh that's a white claw it's a big <laughs> white claw oh i just saw a white i just like went away from the zoom to like look at my notes and when i came back there was a big white claw in my face and it looks good it um, is refreshing it looks refreshing as fuck um so no that's right <laughs> um so their thing is they're like, okay, 
they start buying up all this land and they're basically getting money from the gut or water from the government. Like the government has this thing where they take money from or take water from Northern California and like pump it into Southern California and San Francisco. And a lot of it goes to LA and a lot of it goes to San Francisco. And then a huge chunk of it goes to the Valley and it's for like all of these farmers and where the Resnicks are, they don't have access to that aquifer that I was talking about. That's like underground. And they only have one river there, the Kern river, which like doesn't really have enough water to like, um, water all of these like acres and acres of crops. So like a hundred percent of their water basically is coming from this like government program where it's like money from these, like the Sacramento river, like farther North than where they're situated. Okay. Again, I don't, I am only, I'm an expert in name only about this. Um, you're as far as I'm concerned, you're, you've got a PhD in it. I mean, I think I might have a PhD in like, where does water come from? I don't know. So, (laughs) um, so they're, you know, whatever they're like planning all this shit And like Linda's thing is marketing, like I said. So they decide that they're going to grow these seedless mandarins. And they're like, these mandarins are the shit. They're small. They fit in kids' hands. Everybody's going to want to eat these. And Linda looks at them and she's like, these aren't mandarins. These are cuties. They're cute. Oh my God. An empire is born. An empire is born, bitch. She's like, this is 17 years ago. She's like, those are cuties. This was 17 years for, ago from today? From 2018. Wow. So like in 2001, because I didn't grow up with cuties. We didn't no, have no. cuties when I was a child. I first became like really aware of cuties when I was babysitting. Me too. I was like, what is this? Is like, had like big fat oranges that they put in slices and threw in a bag. And everybody got all sticky and grubby. Yeah. And now it's like, they're easy to peel. They don't have seeds. Like kids can hold, kids can peel them. Kids can, it's like a kid thing. And it's like healthy or like supposedly healthy. And like, this is like, this is the deal. This is the thing. What? Easy peelers. That's what, that's a good name. They are easy peelers. Yeah, but they're also cuties. They are also cuties. They're also <laughs> Halos, and that's also the same company. Oh, wow. I know. Um, so they're like, this is our empire, but they have a problem, which is bees are coming from neighboring farms and like pollinating their cuties with their filthy seeds. And they're like, we don't want seeds on our fucking cuties so he's like if you don't get these fucking bees off my farm i'm gonna sue you for trespassing to the neighboring farmers no he's like i'm gonna sue the farmers whose shit gets on my shit and fucks it up they're like don't get my daughter pregnant they're like my daughter is this mandarin and your bee son got her pregnant with your your mandarin seed (laughs) and they were like we can't they were like this is not possible like you cannot sue us for this but 
someone who was a genius invented this net that covers all of the cuties so that no bees can penetrate it. So the entire, all of their crops of the cuties are covered in a net constantly so that like no other, so that like no seed pollen will like get anywhere near them. And it's a virgin little, they're virgin little orange babies. That's exactly what they are. Wow. I had no idea this was so perverted. It's like, I mean, there's nothing in the world more perverted than fruit. I mean, like, it's just like, it literally is sex on a tree. (laughs) It's true. Um, And it gets even more perverted because in addition to the cuties, guess what else they sell? What? Pomegranates, the most perverted fruit of all. That's Um, true. The pervert of the ancient world. It's the ancient, it's the ancient perverted fruit. Um, so they I bet st- the original tree of knowledge was a pomegranate tree. I've heard many people say that. Hmm. I think it, it might be. Pop. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't a cutie because those were only invented 17 years ago. No. Um, yeah. And so she, so again, she comes out with her like brilliant shit and she's like, we're not even going to make pomegranate, like, we're not even going to sell the pomegranates. Like, we're only going to sell the juice. Yes, Linda. And it's going to be called Palm Wonderful. I've, dr- I've had so many of them. And we're going to tell everybody that this is the healthiest shit for you in the fucking world. It's packed with antioxidants. It's packed with antioxidants. That is what they say. And, and I- they and so when they first make this pomegranate juice they give it out to like all of these celebrities they put it in gift bags that are given out at the vanity fair oscar party they're like this is gonna be like this is cool people are gonna drink this and that's gonna be our thing and like we're we're in the business of like marketing health and they also gave like $30 million in research to prove that pomegranate juice fights heart disease and prostate cancer. And also he is, um, oh yeah. When she came out with Palm, she sent it to David Bowie, Rupert Murdoch and Michael Eisner. Those were the people, those were like her big, uh, those were the big that she sent it to. And, um, and they're like funding their own research to like prove the health benefits of this juice, which also has something like, let me see, I have it written down, 32 grams of sugar per serving. That's too many. Which is quite a bit. Now, um, let me tell you what, my, um, what is this? Uh, this is like an 18 ounce Oh no, it's a 19 ounce can of White Claw. I've got three grams of sugar in here, baby. So it's better for you actually to drink White Claw. (laughs) Than Palm Wonderful. (laughs) Take that, Linda Resnick. Yeah, Linda. She's very glamorous. I looked at a picture of her. Oh, they're very, very glamorous. Um, So they're big donors and big like philanthropists 
and they give all this money to like UCLA and they give it to um, LACMA and like whatever, like they're, this is their thing. But at some point, Linda catches wind that where they're, where their employees are, like where this company town is, which they own everything in this town. Like they own, it's a, it's like a 1930s style company town. Wow. He's like, oh, the people who live there are poor and they are suffering from diabetes and they're suffering from, um, you know, obesity. And I'm going to, I'm going to cure that myself. So she reinvests her money into like beautifying in her, her interpretation, this area for her like workers and they call her Lady Linda (laughs) and she like flies in on like a helicopter or whatever. And she like lectures everybody about how they have to stop eating sugar. And she took off like nachos and french fries and all of this shit from the um the like cafeteria and she replaced it with salads and all this shit salads with like their stuff on it like pistachios because they also do pistachios they also own fiji water like they own like all of these like sort of like mm, overly expensive like kind of health adjacent products so she makes them like start eating this shit she builds a restaurant she's like there's nowhere to eat here like when you go out to eat and they're like we don't go out to eat we go to mcdonald's like it may be like we can't afford it so she like basically like gave money to this woman and was like open a restaurant here like let's have a mexican restaurant and the woman's like okay so she like opened this restaurant and she and the they interview the owner and she's like I don't know who's gonna come here like we're still trying to figure out who our customers are gonna be because like no one in this town can afford to eat out in a restaurant like we don't do that here it's like that's not not what's happening she built this huge park in the middle called the of the town called the wonderful park and she offers um Zumba classes three days a week and core workout classes. And she like meticulously planned out where like every flower and tree and everything was going to go. Like she's trying, her philanthropy is like sending dietitians and um, like changing the diet in this place where like a lot of her employees are undocumented. Um, they're working, they're doing like skilled labor, which means like they're working, they get paid based on like how many like bushels or whatever they're picking. Um, but some people said that they like loved working there. Some people were making like, I don't know, I think at the time of the article, one guy was making like 1070 and 1070 an hour or whatever. And he got a 401k and he's like, I'm, I'm cool with this. So... (laughs) The other thing that they produce are almonds and pistachios, which famously take one gallon of water for one nut. It's too much water. It's too much fucking water. And I mean, how much, how much water does it take to um, bring a cow to maturation? Like, Right. I mean, it's so, it's like whenever you look at those like breakdowns of it, it's like obviously like cow milk is always the worst milk, but the second one is always almond because it just requires so much water to get the almond. Um, I mean, it's still better than, you know, eating 
cow or drinking cow milk but um so she um okay so yeah they own a hundred thousand acres of land in this area and it's all covered in their crops and so this reporter is talking about how he gets there and he's like i just don't understand because there's a drought and this california state water project that i mentioned like isn't giving water away like they're not doing it right now because there's no water and other places are like either really struggling or paying a ton of money for water or they're just like drying up why are there like thousands hundreds like why is there a hundred thousand acres of like these flourishing nuts and pomegranates and oranges in the middle of a essentially a desert in the middle of a drought where there is no natural water source like how the fuck is this happening and he's like completely baffled and finally he like goes to this truck driver and the truck driver is like if you want to know how they're getting their water go to the california aqueduct and you'll find a private off the books like funnel where they are basically stealing water from this farming community that's 40 miles north of where we are so really drinking their milkshake bitch they're drinking the fucking milkshake okay and then they're like and you can't even have a milkshake you have to eat my wonderful salad that i invented that's like this health food salad because you have to be like you can't be obese but i can steal all the water in the world to become a billionaire and this is a 4.5 billion dollar privately owned company they own pistachios they own almonds they own palm they own cuties they own fiji water they own justin wines they own a bunch of other fucking shit they're the resnicks they're psycho the end damn that i didn't i didn't know a single thing about them i didn't either really i mean i guess i did because i read this thing but and there's a bunch more it's like the article goes way more into detail, like talking to the people who like live in the town and like how kind of like shitty the conditions are for the people who work there. It's very interesting. God, uh, yeah, conditions are fucking shitty for all. Ugh, of course they are. They're billionaires, these people. Yes, they're billionaires and they they sort of say that they're like heavily criticized because they they refer to themselves as carpet baggers like kind of like being self-deprecating they're like we're not really from there and it's not really our thing um which is true but it's like there's just something that's like always terrifying about the amount of control that certain people want to like have over the lives of their employees or or like I, it's just it's a lot of control to want to have and it is and it is very um there will be blood <laughs> it's true yeah linda resnick is uh the feminist daniel plainview yeah no she is she is like he's like that's what in equal like that's what what 
That's totally. what equality looks like. Yeah, totally. I mean, she's definitely like in it with her husband, but um, it he says like, you can't really look at this and not think about in the 1930s when they called these people like barons and stuff, like the railroad barons or whatever. And he's like, but now it would be the sashed queens of Kern County. The sashed queens of Kern County. Yeah, that's what he called her. And they all call her Lady Linda. And she like flies in and she's just like, eat a salad, go to my park, have a Zumba class. And then she just flies out. Goes back to the mansion where she's like rubbing elbows with like probably Eric Garcetti and whoever else. Yeah. Donating to the museum. Yeah. And like she's definitely... Like, they're big Feinstein donors, Diane Feinstein. Um, I looked up how much water it takes to make a burger. How much water? Well, for one pound of beef, it requires 1,799 gallons of water. Oh, my God. I mean, you got to grow it from a little baby. Well, here's what, here are the numbers in case anyone is interested. They own 281 square miles of land in California. Um, The Resnicks use more water than any other person in California. Um, They have 15 million trees in the San Joaquin Valley. I think those are just the nut trees, actually. I'm not sure. And they consume more than 400,000 acre feet of water a year. And by comparison, Los Angeles consumes 587,000 acre feet. So that's almost as much as Cal- as the entire city of Los Angeles. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's the resonance. Thank you. You are welcome. You're all welcome. Um, we are all very welcome, but I am the most welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being <laughs> <laughs> Do you want my uh, my computer charger? No, get it. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a drink. Yeah, get some white cloth. Okay.
Hi. Hi. Should we clap to start again? Oh, did you stop? No. Oh, okay. Let's clap. But just so it'll be easy when you're looking through. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. yeah. One, two, two, three. All right. All right. <laughs> um, okay. We just took a break, a commercial break. We took a brief commercial break to refill our coffers. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking there, Aggie? A Spanish garnacha. Ooh. Um, I wow. Think, yeah. What? Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's Spanish, but I'm pretty sure it's Spanish. That sounds great. I haven't had red wine in a while. The last time, um, the last couple times it, it upset my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit hot for it. I just sort of grabbed something and then I was like, oh, this is the red one. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Um, but I don't mind if it's like a light kind of chillable red. Yeah. Summer. I'll do it. Yeah. I, um, I miss, I miss like a nice heavy red. Yeah. Like I hurt the tongue, hurt my tongue, but what's better for like pasta and stuff. Yeah. I mean like it goes so well with like anything tomato-y. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Spanish garnacha. Garancha? Yeah. I said garnacha, but I might be saying it wrong. No, I'm sure you're saying it right. I don't know. Uh, Okay, that is a good segue. We're still talking about oranges. Yes, we are. We the may orange. never stop. What's that? I said we may never stop. We may never stop. Um, I I love this. Do you like the color orange? I never really did. I kind of. I would like never wear the color orange. Actually, that's not true. In the nineties. In like 1997, I had the coolest thing I think I've ever owned. And I'm not that old. I was like a child, just to be clear for everybody. I was like a tween, maybe. I was 12. I had an orange terry cloth A-line dress that had like sleeveless that had like a white like ringer style on this. So it was like had like white piping on the um, collar and the sleeves. And then the rest was bright orange. And it was just like, if I had that now, I have so many clothes that I wish if I could find them, I would like sell them to some like zoomer or something for like $120. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds awesome. It sounds like, um, you remember when like the sixties came back around the time that like the Brady Bunch movie came out. And that was my favorite time of, that was my favorite, like, fashion moment. <laughs> I remember I tried to wear, like, knee-high socks and the skirts. And it, like, did not look good on me. But I really, I don't know, I really wanted to, like, embrace the aesthetic. I loved it. I had these knee-high so- knee-highs that were, like, white. And they had, like, no parking, stop, like, all over that, like, parking sign, traffic signs on them. <laughs> That's cool. They were so cool, I thought. Well you know, childhood. Um, you mentioned an aquifer. Uh, there's an aquifer south of Vegas. I remember reading about a long time ago. We were talking about Vegas before. But from all of the um, 
water is such a big thing and uh you know they built the hoover dam and mm -hmm. the water that is collected there doesn't go to vegas it actually gets piped out to california because of like these old whatever that they made yeah uh, but like all of the casinos like having these huge gardens and lawns and all of that the runoff pooled south of Vegas and apparently there's like a huge aquifer underneath um, the desert out there. It's so crazy. It is so crazy. It's so creepy. Yeah. Apparently it's like the one here is really big and the one under the Resnick farm is like either you can't get anything out of it at all or what you can is like so um polluted with like minerals and just like shit from the earth that it's poison oh i know yes yes exactly um okay on the subject of oranges mm -hmm. i did like you asked at the beginning did i just like look up an orange and I, the answer is yes i did just look up oranges okay tell me I wanted to know. I just like, I had to get to the bottom of it. So, um, the orange, uh, bitter oranges grow wild. They've like always been a part of things, but the sweet orange that we know and love that's like all over Florida, California, et cetera, comes from a cross between a mandarin and pomelo. It was like domesticated probably in China. They wrote about it in like 300 BC, 314. And then it was cultivated by um, like Arab Muslims and then brought to Spain in the 10th century during um, the uh, Muslim rule of Spain. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about that time period. And uh, so I was reading about it and I wanted to also know about like the word orange. It's like, famously a word you can't rhyme yeah but in english it's a word you can't rhyme in other languages you can but it does come from an arabic word um narange which turned into a french orange they dropped the n and uh and then we get it today the color came from the description of the fruit okay isn't that interesting i always kind of thought that might be the case like lavender violet ruby red i always thought those like came from just like that makes sense to me yeah um i uh and then in in the spanish settlers who came in like the 1400s like the second Columbus trip brought orange trees over. Uh, they lasted a long time also. And, you know, on like the ships, they were trying to prevent scurvy. Yeah. Um, but did you know when, uh, and listen, for the listeners out there with my research, here's here's what I've done. Of course, I went on Wikipedia. I looked at academic papers. I read um, some other websites from all over. I, if I mispronounce anything or I get things wrong or I'm saying things in the wrong way, I'm sorry. Okay. 
correct me. Um, correct me and I'll learn. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah, except for we are the experts, but like the experts can always be, you know, yeah. challenged. That's like our generosity of spirit. Yes, exactly. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when the, um, like, uh, when the Muslim conquest in Spain was? Do you know how long ago this was? Um, uh, 10th century? Because that's what she said. So much earlier. It was 7-Eleven. 7-Elevs? Like the Beyonce song. In the year 7-Eleven, the Muslim conquest uh, got its ship popping off in Spain. They took over. It was, all, it was like a Christian nation. Um, I was like really into the Christian recon, like converting and then reconverting pagan, like the pagans across Europe, like mm -hmm. in Britain. Mm -hmm. twice. It's, uh, that I stuff know. is all so that interesting. That stuff is so fascinating to me. And yes, it is so fascinating to me. Brian and I just watched a documentary about it and it is so about like all the pagan religions and like the weird like tree worship and stuff. It's crazy. Yes. And it wasn't. Oh. It wasn't even that long. Like when, when you really think about it, it wasn't even that long ago. Okay. Sorry. No, it wasn't. I remember reading uh, a long time ago about when um, it was during the second conversion of um, like uh, pagans to Christianity in Britain, where they rounded up all the Druids and like burned down the forests and watched them like made the Druids watch because like their gods were in the trees. And I always thought that was so fucked up. Um, but okay. Just thinking about like the introduction of the orange and looking at like Spanish architecture and culture and like the whole idea of the Moors, um, like what is that, the influence of Muslim air, like Arab culture on Europe dating back to like the early middle ages. I think that we are like very disconnected from how much contribution they made on like, the, like the lingering contribution that exists on our, our culture. And that was like the subject of my research today. Okay. I was interested in that. So I, and I was thinking, it's like, okay, I know Othello, Othello, I don't know, do you pronounce the H or not? I, oh, yes, I do, Othello. Yeah, me too. Um, like, he's, he's described as a more, like, a, the existence of, like, Arab or African characters or actors was, like, very common in Elizabethan England. Yeah. Othello is more. Uh, Alexander Dumas is a more. Yes. Dumas. That's right. Dumas. Dumas. Well, uh, he was like African, like Caribbean, right? Like wasn't. Oh, his... I thought he was a more. I thought his father was a more. Um, I don't remember. I don't know, but he was black. There's also that question of like, how do we even define a more today? Like, what does it mean? Yeah, it's like Arab, African, uh, because also in Wuthering Heights, um, Heathcliff is uh, that like that type of hero, the like tall, dark and handsome. He was 
there's only one movie that actually has a black actor play that part. But if you read the book, like he is described as a person of color for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like looking up all this stuff, cause I, do you know the song of Roland? No. It's an 11th century epic poem from France about a battle in 778 that happened at the border of Spain and France. And Arabs are described in like, you know, they're like pagan, devil-like. It becomes kind of this big allegory for like good versus bad, evil versus like holy. Um, That's a very like early story of... uh, it, it just goes to show uh, after after they lost power, the, um, I don't know, like disinformation campaign that is waged, yeah. like, like the culture wars that we talk about now, like is really nothing compared to hundreds of years of like systematically either like, like re- like remaking symbols uh, and re-educating people um, and just indoctrinating them into the idea that these people, like whoever they were, were like totally evil, awful, bad, pagan. And, you know, we inherit that stuff. Oh yeah. Okay, but there is one guy that I specifically wanted to talk about and he predates the introduction of the orange to Spain, but was um he was an iraqi man who uh spent time in baghdad went to north africa and then hightailed it over to the iberian peninsula to chill in the court as a like he was more than a court jester he was like an entertainer a man about town okay Viriab, and he lived from 789 to 857. So this is like a long, wait, long, long ago. wait, sorry, say his name again. Ziryab. Ziryab. Yes. And again, I could be mispronouncing that. It's Z-I-R-Y-A-B. And that was a nickname. It means Jaybird in Persian because of his like sweet, sweet musical gifts. But they also had a, a nickname for him in Spain that translated to Blackbird. And his real name, um, his real name was Abu Lasan Ali Ibn Nafi, or Syriab. And okay. I'm guessing at the pronunciation. Yeah. So he was like a musical genius in Baghdad in like the 700s. And it's like Madonna. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like he's what he's like. He's Jaybird. It's like yeah, you know, it's, it's Jaybird. Yeah. You know, there's like sweet songster. Uh, <laughs> he was like so, a celebrity and he only needed one name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's all he needed. So the, the story is there's like, you know, a story that like he was so good and he just like, he, he was too big for Baghdad. Like he had to leave Baghdad and just like yeah. tour world to just like be a boss. But there was an amazing rumor I found that, um, he like embarrassed his teacher because he was so good at playing music. He just like, he just like stepped out and like peacocked like, um, like the end of whiplash. Okay. And like, 
humiliated his teacher and his teacher was like no and he was like driven out of baghdad like <laughs> by his enraged teacher his like pissed off teacher so then he like did like a tour circuit you know uh, popping in uh to like the the hot cities of the of the time before he finally landed in um Iberian Peninsula. And it's in, it was it's interesting to note that at this time, like the Islamic armies conquered Hispania, which is what Spain was called in the early 700s. And when they conquered, there was like a, a massive influx of like a big cultural shift, musicians, artists, like all like the best and brightest of the Muslim world, like came to Spain and kind of created this like really vibrant um creative uh enlightened place and it's also interesting to note that at this time like they were having like an enlightenment period and the rest of europe was like really sinking into yeah. uh, the dark age that yeah. we are so familiar with you don't you don't really think about that but i was i was reading that like you know, the Greeks took so many ideas from uh, like the Mesopotamian world and uh, like built on it and create like, you know, made the world the way that we know it. But at this time, like the Arabs were learning from the Greeks and they were making huge strides in uh, fields of like astronomy, physics, medicine, um, all of that yeah and like then, math and science stuff yes and then like uh it's just interesting to think about like you know there is such a division obviously and it's like such an ancient um othering that happens but culturally like there is such a volley of information that goes back and forth yeah. uh you like wish everybody could just be chill yeah and just like learn from each other and like build the best world possible. Just like okay. move forward. Just be like, okay, cool. And be like, yeah, yeah. And then like take what's good and just like move and like leave what's not and just like everybody move forward together. It just like, yes, exactly. And just like stop and being psychotic. Just stop being psychotic for five minutes. It's like impossible. I know. 500 years. Um, I, you know, when I was looking up like, oh, how were, uh, how were Muslims or Arabs depicted in like medieval writing? Um, I found that thing about Song of Roland and you're reading stuff about like Elizabethan theater, whatever, but Chaucer actually in the Canterbury Tales, there's a whole section where he name checks all of these uh, Arab physicians and philosophers that um, were like well-known at the time. So I that's, interesting so it's like not yeah. all totally like dire and negative and bad yeah i mean like my understanding was that the moors were like a major part like othello was like like uh, they were like nobility and like a major part of like society during like until the like middle age until like elizabethan times that was my understanding yeah i just you know it's like it's it, when you start to make movies about that time period, and I think most people's comprehension of that time comes from whatever movies they watch, yeah. like the racism of today is imprinted on that stuff. And then if that is the lens that you're viewing history through, then you're like, oh, there's only white people 
at you yeah. know and now there's a big correction in that way and you see so much colorblind casting with uh with all kinds of like historical shows like the great was really good for that but the but there is there's another thing of like what what was what was the reality like how embedded into the culture were people like it i just feel like it wasn't as um i don't know divided as we as we i mean i divided obviously but it's not like they didn't exist like yeah i mean like i feel like white people have in like american mainstream entertainment especially have this like weird desire to just like completely erase any non-white people from history um and in some cases it's because like the reality of it would be so uncomfortable like it's not history but like andy griffith like where he lives like it's an all-white town because like how are you gonna make a tv show about like a folksy fucking sheriff in like alabama or whatever and like tell a story honestly if there are like black people in, in it so it just like it doesn't exist like i feel like it's like if there's anything that's challenging because it's just, like, like, it's just pretend it's not there because like all they want to do is like advertise like sell advertising and entertain people and like keep them watching more than like actually like create something meaningful for a lot of the time yeah something that like accurately reflects reality or is i don't know enlightening or edifying in some way right. um yeah it's easier to just avoid conflict and yet, much like these aquifers, you are creating an entire like underground blister of um, just like ignorance and suffering that at some point has to be addressed. Yeah, and it becomes toxic and poisonous, and then you have to steal your fucking water from Sacramento. Oh. Okay, Ziryab. Um, so he comes to he comes to the court in uh, and okay the name. What it was called at the time, and again, I'm sorry if I mispronounce it, all Andalus, which is where like Andalusia comes from, um, which is like, you know, another name for the area known as Spain, and uh, immediately makes a name for himself. People love him. They love his sweet voice. They love his musical stylings. He's doing wild stuff like putting a fifth string on the bass he plays. And he's like, look, I've added a string. And uh, the other, the the four existing strings, I'm coloring them so that they represent like the humors and the fifth string, it represents the soul. And they're like, oh my God, what a genius. Yeah. And he like, he's one of these, um, they call him a polymath, which uh, we would know as like an expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's like, got, yeah. What? He, no, yeah, no, he's He's got like a curse. He can like have a conversation with anybody and um, astronomy, geography, meteorology, botanics, cosmetics, culinary art, fashion, like a real, um, the cultural cachet is strong with him. Okay. And he uh, very popular becomes like best friends with the prince. He uh, has a large family. He had eight sons and two daughters. Five of the sons and both of his daughters became prominent musicians. 
And uh, he ended up starting a music school where um, he, he was like innovating in the music school, like testing lung capacity, um, like making devices to have people's mouths, uh, to like train their mouths to open wider, to like get a bigger sound out, um, that kind of stuff. Wow. But, yeah, it's like, that stuff is really interesting, but there are a lot of things that Ziriap did for you and for me that affect us on a daily basis and we don't even know about it. And I want to tell you about some of that stuff. Please. Ziriap was a fashion king and okay. he started changing clothes according to the weather and the season. And he like made rules for dressing for the season. Okay. Okay. Sounds like that's like incredible. That was like his idea. That was his idea. That's We're just crazy. that's insane. That's like insane that someone had to be like, no, 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 we should do this. Because it's like, I just always assume that like everybody always did that. No, he came he came from Iraq and he was like, Oh, it's hot. Like we wear white when it's hot. Like he, yeah. he he's like a fabulous I, I love to, I remember I was telling Kellen Alexander about Ziriab once, shout out to Kellen. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, there should be a Bravo show called from a to Ziriab. <laughs> so I've always thought about Um, he also invented bangs. Okay. Thank you, Ziriab. Yes. Also known as fringe. If you thank are. Thank you. Also sometimes. No, thank you. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Poor man's Botox, mm -hmm. poor man's floppy hair on your forehead. That's right. Um, he invented the three course meal. Okay. That's a thank you for me. Big thank you that we're talking salad. We're talking main course. We're talking dessert. That is Ziriab. He's like, the year is 800. We need to pace ourselves yeah we need to like get this shit under control because and there is nothing better than when you are in a european country and they're like what do you want at a restaurant and you tell them all three you're like i'm gonna start with this then i'm gonna eat this and then i want this for dessert and they're like you got it do you know what that i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about it's such a delight it's like it makes me feel like I'm like so old fashioned. I'm like, this is how it should always be. Like order all three, order three things at once and just never don't even talk to them anymore about it. Let it happen. And then just like get into your conversation. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. so nice. It really is. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he was also in like the whole idea of like local cuisine he because like this is like a big international city you know there's people coming from all over like the known world at that time and and he was like we've got to embrace what we've got here what are we going to sit around and wait for like moldy basil to come from sicily like no right. let's let's eat these weird penis vegetables they're called asparagus thank you that kind of stuff he's just like foraging in the forests he's introducing new fruits and vegetables um something else he does he's doing every, he's doing it all he really he is doing the actual most okay uh, prior to this time drinks were drinking out of um metal goblets and he was like uh 
don't like it, Crystal. Thank you, Zuriab. <laughs> That's so much nicer. So much nicer. You know what else he came up with? What? The tablecloth. Wow. Can you ma Okay, I just want to like take a minute. These are the most basic thing. We take it for granted every single day. When you sit down to a nice meal with a tablecloth, a nice clear glass to drink your water out of, you've got some asparagus with maybe like lemon on top of like a, maybe a nice egg on top of it. You've got uh, you, fresh bangs that you just got trimmed. This is all this guys. Like it's I've got an idea. You're wearing white cause it's hot out and you're like, I need to be like comfortable in the summer. It's it all is, the same guy. It's, it's all the same guy. And, and it, uh, it, there's more. It's still like everything. It just like everything you need to be like a put together happy person. Exactly. Bangs, crystal, tablecloths. That's it. He popularized shaving among men. Okay, that's important. Uh, before this, in like the Muslim world, it like royalty used to wash their hair with rose water. Mm. But he was like, "That's not going to get your hair clean. You need a little grit, salt, fragrant oils." He's like making shampoos. Brilliant invented a special type of toothpaste they don't have the formula for it but everybody said that it worked well and was like delicious okay <laughs> god i wish i could try it it's true and supposedly although this is unsubstantiated there's some debate about it hair salons wow he's like there should be one place where all these, he was like shampoo. He was like, all these ladies should come and like, I need to get my fingers in their hair. Well, if he invented shampoo and he invented bangs, I mean, I could see him inventing a salon. Yeah. Because up until that point, people were just like, cut, like the fashion of the, of, of the time was like split down the middle. Yeah. Just like long, straight hair. And he was like, it's summer, baby. Cut get it off some the bangs. You want bangs. You want bangs. Uh, oh, he also, okay. he created a new type of deodorant. He was a huge promoter of morning and evening baths. He was like huge oh on God. personal hygiene. Because uh, they were like disgusting and they were like, we don't do that. Right? Yeah. And he was like, if you want my music. Take a bath, bitch. And wash your hair and put this shit in it. Your rose water is not enough for you. It's not enough. I, I hate to break it to you. It's not working for you. This is not working. Yeah. Wow. He would be so happy if he could live today. I feel sorry I, for him that he never got to see the fruits of his labor, the oranges of his labor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think, I think so too. And I, I feel like um, the French get so much credit for a lot of this stuff. Like, they're just like, uh, cuisine, uh, perfume, uh, mm -hmm you know, the pomp and circumstances of court. Meanwhile, it's okay. just this like scrappy, just man about town. He's just like taking care of shit. And he's like, but I wonder if his bangs that he invented, were they like baby bangs? Like a, like a Betty Page bang? Well, I'm thinking of like, 
Julius Caesar and stuff. Like I'm thinking, or I'm thinking, or like, um, uh, like Prince Valiant or something. Like what kind of bangs do these people have? Like I'm thinking short bangs. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Worth. I'm, I'm just wondering. Illustration of that. Uh, I do. I. I mean, I'm I just don't thinking know. out loud. In my mind, the way that I've pictured this is more of like a, like kind of like a hipster, like like a thick, like a swoop, like a side swipe. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can like swipe it to the side. That's how, that's how I've always imagined it. I mean, and that's like, how I would imagine this guy who's like, I put a fifth string on my base and like, I'm going in the woods and I'm like, why not eat asparagus? Why wouldn't you eat asparagus? And like, we should be drinking out of crystal. I mean, that's an insane idea. That's so crazy. It's crazy. And it's great. God bless him. You don't think about this. Like it, it it's, it's just the sort of thing you think has always existed. And the fact that it didn't always exist. And one guy was like, here's all this stuff that we should have. Does it, is it Like drink, wearing different clothes in the summer and winter is like the, is so basic. I truly thought that that was like from like caveman times where they were like in the summer, it's hot. So we like, don't wear this stuff. Like I did not think anybody had to like make that, conscious decision that like we're not going to do this anymore yeah i mean i'm sure that they would have like you know you probably like put heavier things on as it gets warmer but it's not like you have a wardrobe for the winter and a wardrobe or that you're like dressing to complement it's a it's an aesthetic choice too like yeah you know you're 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 dressing to kind of fit in with they go hand in hand yeah yeah so that is um that's where it led me that is so interesting wow i'm so glad i learned about this man i am glad that i told you about him yes thank you irene you're welcome there's one more little thing can i tell you one more little thing about an orange yeah you know the singer nico yeah Velvet Underground. So um, she uh, had a son and she was a really bad mom. Were you aware of this? No, I didn't know this at all. He's, she was a, ter- a terrible, terrible mom. And um, she uh, just like neglectful. And I mean, she was a drug addict, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a son with the French actor, Alan Delon, who never, like to this day, doesn't acknowledge that this boy is is his son even though the boy was raised by his parents oh my god and that's insane it's insane so the whole time that nico is in the velvet underground like being this like glamorous tragic um supermodel yeah she's got a toddler who's being brought up um in this coastal town in france and by a father who won't acknowledge that he's his and a mother that is just like partying too hard with Andy Warhol. So she doesn't see him for like three years or something. And finally like comes to visit him. And um, do you know what she brought him? An orange? One orange. 
That's the story. For the first time in three years, you brought him an orange. Yeah, That's and he was like a child. He was like like five or six or something. Did he love it? I mean, I think he was probably happy to see his mother. But the uh, I, I I watched a documentary like on YouTube about her a while back, and the the uh, grandmother who raised the son tells the story, and it it like made my stomach drop to hear her tell it. Yeah. Well, there's some. Do you know the poem "Oranges"? The Gary Soto poem "Oranges." It's like a. It's like I read it in. Every, I think everybody reads it like in high school or college. It's really beautiful. Um, I think I think that I do. Do you know it? I don't know it. I mean, it's kind of long, um, but just it's about this boy who's taking a girl out on a date when they're um, little kids, and he buys her a chocolate bar. He has two oranges in his pocket, and he he tells, he brings her to the candy store and he's like, pick whatever you want. And she picks, um, a chocolate bar that's too expensive. So he brings it to the register and he gives the girl like a dime and an orange to pay for it. And she takes it and lets them do it. And they go outside and she unwraps her chocolate and starts eating it. And he eats his orange. And then the last line is, um, but you would have thought I was holding a fire in my hands. I'm like starting to cry thinking about it. Because I cry whenever I talk about any poem that I like, but I don't know why it's such, I don't know why that's like so sweet. Here, I pulled it up. It goes, just at the end, it goes, um, she unwraps her chocolate and then he says, I peeled my orange that was so bright against the gray of December that from a distance, someone might've thought I was making a fire in my hands. I don't know why I'm crying. (laughs) It's just so sweet. It is really sweet. Yeah. There's a, um, I thought you were talking, there's another poem called The Orange that I thought maybe you were talking about by Wendy Cope. Do you know this one? I think I saw, did you post it online? I might have. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, read it. Okay. At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park. This is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list. I enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. (laughs) That's so sweet, too. It's sweet. People should always write poems about oranges. I guess so. I guess so. Ugh, I don't know. I've been crying a lot lately, like happy tears. That's good. Yeah. At least happy tears. Did you watch Black as King? Yes. I cried. I did too. I I um I was like begging Griffin to watch it with me. I was like, do you want to watch it? And he was like, no, that seems like a personal journey. And I was like, all right, you're lost. And then five minutes in, I was sobbing and I was so glad that I was watching it alone. I know. I was so glad. I Well, I wasn't watching it alone, but I might as well have been because Brian was sitting next to me on the couch, but I don't think he looked at the TV once. He was like looking at his phone the entire time. And he was like, I won't. He's like, he said, I'm not going to watch this. And I was like, I'm about to watch it. What are you going to do? And he said, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I cried when she had Kelly. Yeah. That was the part. I, uh... I just think that what she's doing is so incredible and so special and great. And even if it has this like Lion King lay on and it's Which like, is unnecessary and like just something Disney made them do. Exactly. But I also think like if that makes it reach more people and people are like more likely to watch it because of the connection to that, then I think that that's, I think that it's it, it like, it all works out. Yeah. Me too. Well, me and my tears, what are you going to do? Sometimes the experts cry. That's right. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they are up late at night with panic attacks. Sometimes they panic. Sometimes, Sometimes they're up early with panic attacks. Sometimes they're up early and they're just enjoying the day. And sometimes they're up late and just like having a laugh. Life is complicated, you know? Yeah, we contain multitudes. We sure do. Well, we, you and I do. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> and so does everybody else. Yes. Well, Aggie. Well, Irene. I guess that's another episode in the can. Wait, should I do another word? Yeah, let's do it. It's like kind of addictive. It's really fun. <gasps> hey! What? I got a good one. What'd you get? crown oh you should see me in a crown mm-hmm. heavy lies the head that wears the crown of the expert yes heavy is the crown who said that it's like shakespeare i don't know no 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 there there was somebody who misquoted it and they they didn't say heavy is the head they were just like heavy is the crown oh i think that was me just now heavy is the head that wears the crown Yes, but there was somebody that... I mean, I think I literally just said heavy is the crown. (laughs) I think I just did it. But I don't know who famously misquoted it. I'm going to try. I'm going to find it for next week. Okay, perfect. Um, Okay, well, until Until then, we will talk again. Again. Bye. Expert. Just the expert.